We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Chris List. Today is Monday, September 23rd. As always, our podcast is sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Thanks, Yahoo. Appreciate you as always. Uh, busy week three, Chris. Uh, you were like, as a Giants fan, you were happy. I guess as a fantasy fan, you weren't so, or fantasy uh, implications weren't so great for you. And uh, I guess, you know, against the spread, you're what, seven and eight heading this week. So just a meh week there, too. Yeah, three and two in the super contest. I won the best bet, but I was seven and two, and I've lost the last six games. Hopefully, tonight's game goes better. Fantasy might the t- it's just like baseball. You only have five leagues, but I'm fine in the stake league in terms of overall points. I'm not looking like I'm going to be buying stakes. I mean, it's super early, but so far so good. And one out of my two NFPC teams is good. NFFC teams is good, and I think that's the one that is going to get the focus. And my Wavos team's all right, you know. So there's like three teams that are fine too that kind of suck mm-hmm. um, so far. I mean, I'll keep making moves, and uh, you know that's it. You know, I, I really, I, I actually just care about the super contest and the spread more than how my fantasy teams do. I mean, obviously, if one of the NFC really? gets into the playoffs, I'll be excited and I'll you know start seeing if I can win the money. But you know, just like Wavos or like the Stake League or you know, the, uh, FSGA, like I like to do well in them, but I don't get, I'm not like excited about it. I'm just like, okay, that's cool. It's not a big deal. Yeah. I, I guess I'm not there yet. I mean, I, I guess I have less on the line with my picks. I'm not in the super contest. Although I'm in the, we do a picks for the pentathlon. So I guess it matters there a little bit. Uh, but I, and I, I want to do well. It's always bragging points. I guess if I had more at stake than stakes, um, and my, my, Staff picks. I think I'd probably care more about that. I care about it. I just don't really, you know. I just, you know, I, I still live and die by my fantasy teams. Even though I see for me, number one is is the spread. 
you know, I mean, obviously Survivor, I want to stay alive. I mean, it's been kind of chalky so far, so nothing's really happened. But Survivor and especially handicapping against the spread, the Super Contest, that's my number one. That's like the thing. When I'm watching the games, I'm mad or happy based on that. And then at the end, like in the somewhere in the second wave of games, I'm like, I check my fantasy scores. Oh, did I do well? Yeah. Or if I see some of my guys going off, like I have Mike Evans and the good NFFC team. So I was like, oh, I bet I, I probably did well in that one. Of course I did. Um, but, uh, yeah, my number one is the, uh, the handicapping. Yeah. Uh, that, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, I, I, I do think about it during, while I'm watching the games, my mind's on the spread. So you've kind of changed me as far as that goes. Like I even tweeted about like, I'm here for the Ravens backdoor cover. That was nice. You know, and I was there for that too. Yeah. Then again, I, I, and, and I also for the Jets backdoor cover, which was oh, ludicrous. That was the greatest of all time. It was the most improbable. I was like, ah, oh, I'm on the Jets again. What a waste. Yeah. And they get a defense pressure. I'm like, oh, that's that's crazy. And then they get another one. I'm like, no way. Are you serious? Yeah. And I was worried the Patriots were just going to score again just to punish them. But uh, that was that was amazing. Uh, they brought Brady back in, uh, which is funny. But the I'll say this. I just finished watch, doing the rewatch of Pat's Jets. And that was, first of all, it was a boring game. Secondly, you know, the Pats offense, eh, I mean, it was just kind of mediocre. You know, they, they were very effective early. They, they put the boot to the throat right away. They were up 20 to nothing. But they didn't, I mean, I, you could tell they missed Brown, but they also they didn't get any running game going at all the entire game. Michelle really struggled. They were messing around with, like, Brandon Bolden was in there. Like, he got the first two targets of the game. It was one of those kind of like, you know, if, if Michelle didn't get that touchdown, uh, in the first drive, it would have been a total disaster day for him. He also got a goal line carry, or not goal line carry, but got it from like the four to the two. And then was the target on the passing play, but was covered on the next play. Uh, so he was getting at least goal line work, but he, he just doesn't get volume. And for a game that, you know, where you got like a 20 point spread, you're expecting them to be kind of running the ball a lot. That just wasn't happening. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, there were a few things. James White uh, was having a, a kid, so he was out. And then Brown had just left, and Edelman got hurt during the game. Yeah. So the offense was completely, you know, without its key players. So that's that's a lot of guys to lose. Yeah, so I guess well, the Jets would probably stack that line a little bit more, too, because of that also. Because they, they knew they couldn't. They, there were fewer passing threats to, uh, to beat them. So I get that. That makes sense. So, all right. Um, any other takeaways from that game? Not really. Um, it was just a boring game. I mean, it, that's all there was to it. I mean, it was beautiful if you're a Pats fan because they were just shutting, just throttling the Jets. So, the, I mean, they they didn't let Falk throw downfield at all. I mean, I don't think they threw one deep ball the entire game. And it's, a lot of that was because they didn't have time, but a lot of it was just the play calling was so vanilla, very vanilla. They they The very first series – they had a seven-yard run by Bell, and then Crowder had, like, a 15-yard catch. And I don't think they threw past the sticks until, like, the third quarter after that. I mean, they were – everything was a dump-off. Uh, they were super, dry, you know, vanilla in their game plan there for him. Well, I mean, I don't – I've never really seen Gaze call a good game. I mean, with the Dolphins, there's nothing special going yeah. on. I guess they made some big plays Albert Wilson last year, but – you know, with the Broncos, he was the quarterbacks coach. He wasn't the, was he the coordinator or the quarterbacks coach, but he was like Peyton Manning's guy, but Peyton Manning was basically his own offensive coordinator anyway. Right. So, right. Well, it was the know. year with Cutler in Chicago that gave him his offensive reputation. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Uh, but it was, oh, it was ugly. Uh, I, I really was, you know, I, it was just, it was very boring team to watch. I mean, what a division for the Pats to be in. And we've said this every single year, but you know, the Bills are interesting. They've got a good defense. Uh, Josh Allen has his moments. But, man, they're, they're, they're kind of dry, too. Yeah, they're not very good. I mean, yeah. Frank Gore is their starting tailback right now. He's 36. Yeah. They're, 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 no, they're no, not a serious threat. I mean, yeah, they could steal a game. I mean, anyone could win a game, but they, uh, they're not a serious contender, no. the Bills. No. Uh, Jets are on by this week. There's some talk about Sam Darnold coming back, though he's not going to run this week. I think you'd be have to be able to run just a little bit there. But uh, so I don't know. Um, to me, it's it's kind of uh, you know I'm not. I think it's a different offense with Darnold there, but I'm not sure how much different it is. Yeah, I I mean honestly, you know, I, I made those polls on Twitter. Darnold or Daniel Jones? <laughs> you are like, so who trolling. Would you prefer? Yeah. 
Did you get the appropriate response? Did you get any Jets fans angry at you for that? No, no one got mad. Uh, If if you were GM and you had to pick either Darnold or Daniel Jones, who are you picking? I think, I don't know, man. I, I, before you asked that last week on the show, you got 10 seconds. If you don't do it in 10 seconds, you get stuck with Josh Rosen. 10, nine. I'm going to wait and milk it out for all it's worth. I'll take Darnold. Six, five, four. I took Darnold already. Yeah. But Arnold, I I will, but it's close. I mean, I want to see Jones against a real defense. That is first. so not let's take Darnold. Jesus, what's wrong <laughs> with you? I can't agree with you. It's a one game sample, but at least it's a good sample. I mean, Darnold samples crap, and it's you know year and a half almost. It's not crap though. It's mixed. He's had some mixed. Good, he's it's had mixed a, crap. I mean, the the total is crap. <laughs> Uh, week one was not encouraging. I'll say that much, but how much of that is gaze though, too? I mean, ugh. I mean, gaze wasn't the coach last year, you know I mean? Yeah. And Darnold finished kind of strong last year. He finished okay in a few games. I mean, you gotta, at some point you gotta put on a show, right? I mean, I don't think he, I ever thought he clicked with Robbie coach. Anderson late. Didn't he? He did a little bit. I mean, it wasn't like he clicked with them, but I don't think he did. I don't think he had a game like Jones did all year. This is Jones's first game. You know, Jones also did it against the Bucks, And, you know, the fact that they were behind actually helped, I think. It got them out of their, Bucks. like, shell. Like, they were in comeback mode. They were throwing the ball down downfield a lot. They, they, I'll say this. Shermer had a pretty good scheme. Get him, allowing him to, you know, get out of the pocket, you know, getting him on the run a little bit. I thought that was pretty smart. And, you know, of course, they didn't have Barkley, so they had to throw the ball downfield, too. Yeah, but look. This is what's so infuriating as a Giants fan. Is Shermer does have a good scheme. Yeah. And it was like, oh, we got to give Eli another chance. He's almost there. It's like, that's how bad he was. I mean, yep. It wasn't just that Jones was good. It was that it showed how bad Eli was. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, and, and, and the thing is, this was this predated Shermer even. This was all like, this is Macadont. It was, you know, he even saw the, you know. Well, Macadou was it. truly terrible. I mean, that that was, Eli was bad, but Macadou was also extremely bad. Oh, yeah. He was a poor man's Mike McCarthy. Think about that. Poor man's Mike. Yeah, I don't think, I, I think it's worse than that, actually, even, too. Just the chastising of Odell and the public and all that. I, I love that he got fired, though, for benching Eli. Because, the one like, good thing he ever did. He, exactly. The one thing he ever did that was correct, he got fired for. Yeah. Lots of big injuries this week. Uh, you know, the big one obviously is Barkley. They're saying four to eight weeks with more likely to be closer to eight. But, I, I, you know, when it's that wide of an estimate, I'll wait and see. I mean, it's not actionable, really. I mean, I guess it is if you want to trade them. You're not cutting them. You just have to waste that spot. That's the worst part about it. Eight weeks of, you know, if he's out eight weeks, you're just you're going through buys. You're having to hold on to him all the, that time. That's the part that really stinks. It's tough. It's really bad. I mean, yeah, you could just dump them for like, if it really is eight weeks, you know, you could dump them for like 50 cents on the dollar and get like, trade them for a struggling Sony Michelle or trade them for. You if know, I, if I'm a Barkley owner, I accept the Michelle offer. I think I do. Yeah. I mean, it really depends. Obviously in the NFFC, you, you can't trade and you wouldn't accept it if right. you could because the bench is big and right. you got to clog your way to the playoffs. But yeah, in a lot of leagues where you have a small bench and the buys are coming, and you're going to have other injuries. I could see it. That's the you only know, league where I, ha- I have Barkley, by the way, is the NFFC, of course, naturally. So, yeah, I have him too. I mean, I actually picked up Gallman last week just randomly. I didn't, not because I thought Barkley was going to get hurt, but because I had an extra spot with like Albert Wilson or someone useless. And I was like, all right, I just put a list of guys that, you know, might possibly have value at some point. And lo and behold, Gallman does. Now, in the 12 team, that's not that great because. I probably, I don't even know if I'll use Gallman. I'll have to see. Whereas, you know, in like the 14, that would be huge because you'd probably be taking a, you'd probably have like, you wouldn't even have a starting running back if you didn't do that. So we'll see. I'm, I'm glad I did it at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, that, that is, uh, you know, I, that's, that's the argument in favor of handcuffs. That's for sure. Is you got a big deep bench and, you know, it's your, your first overall pick and there's a clear handcuff. All those things kind of apply. Well, I didn't do it to handcuff him. I mean, I just I didn't do it because I had Barkley. I just did it because he was a guy who was the clear guy, no matter who it was. So even if I wasn't the Barkley owner, I would have just gotten Gallman on that list of potential starters. One injury makes you a starter. Injuries happen all the time. 
it was just something to do with the bench spot. And it just coincidentally happened that it happened this week and I have Barkley. Yeah. It's kind of funny that, uh, so I, I don't have uh, Gallman in my one team that's got Barkley, which just had a hideous week. Uh, I had Lamar Jackson. Okay, fine. Wasn't great, but 23.95. I can live with that. Barkley, Gurley, Diggs, Galladay, Ridley. Big fat nothings ah. across the board. Ah, oh, horrible. Yeah. John Ross in the flex. I'm getting destroyed ah. this week. I was in third well, place in my I, league going into this, too. I had Kittle at tight end who did nothing, but I had, uh, I'm looking at this. I had Marquise Brown. I've got McLaurin go tonight, but I, you know, I sat Sterling Shepard because I don't know. It's just, it's tough, this league. I mean, this league, it's like I have no, this, this is the league that I, I thought I had the greatest team ever. I had Barkley and Chubb as my first two picks. Those right. guys now, it's like nothing. Those guys aren't even top 10 players. At anymore. least Chubb got like a lot of yards and catches. Not yesterday. really. He got catches last yards night too. And his touchdown got called back. Yeah, that sucked. That really sucked. So, like, you know, that he, he really didn't do much. You know, so you have Chubb. I, I mean, thought he had I'm 98 yards, game. didn't he? What? Didn't Chubb have, like, 98 yards? I thought he had, like, 61 yards, but you can check. Yeah. He, he might have had 98 total yards. Yeah, that might be it. Uh, I will tell you in a second. No, 23 for 96 and 4 for 35. Oh, 96 yards. Okay, right. It was four yards a carry. Yeah. It was fine. Not great, but just fine. That's the problem. Well, you know, when you watch Chubb run, he's he's kind of like Zeke Elliott. I mean, that would be like the best case scenario where there's nothing really special about him. He's he's a hard runner. You know, he he knows how to pick the hole. He gets through it. He fights. It's hard to bring down, but he's not like Alvin Kamara or Saquon Barkley or, you know, peak LaShawn McCoy or, or you know, some guy who's like a absolute like talent. You know, he, there's, there's, he's not doing anything that you're like blown away by. He's just kind of like a solid power back with, you know, good instincts. Right, right. What do you think about Goldman this week? Do you uh, are, are you going to go big on him if he's available in, in any of your leagues? No, I'll go moderate. I, I think that he he can catch passes. He's not like a great pass catcher, but he can catch. So that's good in PPR. He uh, he's adequate. He's not a great runner. He's a little average at best. Um, but I, I think the offense will be decent. You know, I think, I think that, you know, Tate's not back yet. He's back the week after, but Shepard looked good. Ingram looks good. The scheme is good. Darius Slayton made some plays. He's a four, three, nine guy. He can maybe stretch the field. It's not a terrible offense. I think that the running back, you know, an adequate running back, just being there will do something, but I, I think it's kind of modest upside. And probably, I mean, you never know with game flow, but probably a decent floor. If he gets like 14 carries and three or four receptions, I think, I think he can do that. Just a shame though, that Barkley doesn't get to play now that Jones is the starter. It's like he got a half and not even, not even a full half. He's played his whole career with Manning basically. And, and just like, you know, Odell Beckham leaves and like, now they got a real quarterback. Wow. You know, now he's with Mayfield who's struggling on behind a bad line. So it's it is interesting that uh, these guys aren't really paired up with the right in the right situation. Exactly. Uh, before we move on, a uh, quick note from one of our sponsors, Yahoo Fantasy Sports. The NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has returned. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will win you one million dollars every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. You're listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Chris Liss, breaking down week three. So I was watching a lot of Atlanta Indy, and this was an this was a pretty interesting game. Once again, the scourge of penalties kicked in. Atlanta had 16 penalties for 128 yards. That was kind of a big difference in the game. You know, my my first reaction is, oh yes, the Colts are definitely better than the Falcons. Falcons really kind of got hosed. Uh, you know, they I mean they got they they hosed themselves in a way, but they also like 
there was some pretty, pretty weak holding penalties yet again. Uh, and then the, the biggest, the, this is the biggest injustice of it all. Uh, Keanu Neal, uh, he got blew out his Achilles on the, on a coverage play in the two minute drill, got called for PI and uh, oh no, he didn't get called. It was just a, he just got, he blew out his Achilles, but he, he knew he did it. It was hurt. He tossed his helmet to the side angrily knowing he's hurt. And the, the refs flag him for, uh, you know, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct. Are you kidding me? So lame. Just like the guy blew it. He's out for the season. He had a major yeah, yeah, injury. That's, that's really crap. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a total deep it's like a celebration move. penalty in, in reverse. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's so obvious that he was hurt too. And like, Oh, dutifully calling unsportsmanlike conduct and all that. Oh, and Atlanta, you need to take a timeout for that injured player. Yeah. Okay. We got it. Just don't get out of, you know, get out of this by the book mode so much. It's just ugh, so frustrating to watch. Yeah, they're like robots. It's a tough thing. You know, people want to replace them with robots, too. It's just uh, like they'll have like a plant, a chip in your neck and you take the helmet off, you know, while you're in between the two electrified, you know, in the in the field. Literally, there'll be an electric field on the field. If you're on the field, you take it off like, boom, the flag drops by a robot ump, you know, but they're trying to imitate the robot umps. It's It's hard, man. It's tough, you know there's something like to not knowing right when you're a kid and you watch football, there were penalties and there were refs, but you just kind of trusted the game. You trusted the product that you were seeing, right? You were just like, this yeah. is what happened. Oh, this team made this great win and a great comeback and what an epic game. And you know, it was just so exciting, the whole thing. And you didn't really know about the business behind it. You didn't really understand the refs behind it and how it works. It just seemed very real. You know, the whole thing seemed like a really good show. And then once you get you know aware of how it really works and like, the basis on which like these things are decided, it, it just becomes harder to like say, Oh, good win by this team or oh, tough loss by that team. You're just like, this is just arbitrary bullshit. Yeah. You're like this is totally invented. Like there's, this doesn't mean anything. And that's hard, man. I mean, I remember when there was one playoffs where the Cowboys beat the lions based on some ridiculous, catch rule fiasco thing. And then the Cowboys lost to the Packers because Des Bryant, they said it wasn't a catch on this amazing play, but obviously it was. They've subsequently reversed that rule. Then the Packers had the Seahawks had had them dead to rights, but McCarthy totally just gave away the game and the Seahawks won. And the Seahawks had the Super Bowl one, except that they wouldn't run it with Marshawn Lynch. So the Patriots won the Super Bowl. It was like each step of the ladder. Yeah. Total fraud. And it was like, you know, okay, oh, what a great Super Bowl. What a great win. How exciting. But like, it was just like, dude, each game was arbitrary every step of the way. And, you know, it's, it's a tough situation with all the technology and the replay and everybody seeing all the camera angles. Like, how do you just let them play without, you know, everybody sort of holding and grabbing, clutching to the absolute limit of the, you know, what they can get away with. And then you're back in the seventies, like when we learned the game, where like a forward pass is really difficult to complete because there's so much like grabbing the receiver and all that. So it's a tough situation, but it's a, it's a challenge. They're not, I don't think they're really doing a great job of meeting this challenge. I'm not saying it's easy, but the balance, they obviously went way overboard on the holds and they cut it back last week. And hopefully they, it's just a tough balance, right? Because everybody's going to try to cheat to get ahead. Like every, everybody, if they stop calling that stuff, the coaches are going to be like grab and hold until they call it. Yeah, that's right. You know, and I, I, it's it's horrible. Like there was a Green Bay a Green Bay Denver game. Denver had a, a running touchdown call back on a terrible, terrible holding call on Emmanuel Sanders. You, you, I I have it in front of me again. It's like oh he they call, he got called for blocking. It was crazy. Crazy. There was no right, hold no, whatsoever. Ah, uh, so I think bad. Willie Sneed on a touchdown. I mean he he basically. They called him for blocking illegal block in the back, and it was basically like putting your hand near the guy's back as he was falling. That was basically what he got busted for, and he did nothing. It, it's just you know they, they think they see something, and they they think they see something. They see a guy fall and another guy's hand around there and moving toward there, and they just you know they just put two and two together, but it happens in a split second, so they just, they think they've seen something. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, the other thing I really hate is reviewing PIs. I, I knew I'd hate it all along. I'm hating it even more now. Just seeing it in practice, I, I am. It, it's just 
so unfun to watch the game. Drags down. I mean, I know Bruce Arians got one, a call reversed, actually got a call made, like reviewed that there, you know, because it was OJ Howard going against your Giants down the sideline. He got interfered with a little bit, but it was, it was kind of a tiny little tug, you know, it just, it, it was interference, but it was just such a drag down of play. But Colts, Falcons, you saw a play like Colts are challenging that there was interference there and they, they lost their challenge. And you see, like, they feel obligated to challenge a PI call. That's what I feel right, like. No, that's the problem. The problem is you, any, if I'm a coach and there's a gigantic play that the guy even touches my guy at all, you know, before or after, I may as well challenge it because maybe they'll see something. I mean, it's like a game-changing call. You have to throw the flag and just ha- and hope that you get it reversed. That's the problem. It's yeah. not going to be used. It's supposed to be only egregious. Basically, it was supposed to uh, address the Rams-Saints debacle in the championship game last year where clearly the guy was interfered with and they didn't call it. And it's supposed to be egregious, right? So they, won't, they say they won't overturn it unless it's egregious. But even so, you're like obligated to throw that red flag anytime it's a huge play that affects the game greatly. Yeah, it, it's right. And then you see like, yeah, you know, and you just see like other times it get, gets introduced. Uh, Stephon Diggs had that touchdown call back in week two where, you know, because we review all scoring plays. So therefore we found this OPI and we're going to call it back. No, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Right. Now the refs are getting in on it. I know it's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Travis Henry. I mean, I said it again. Derek Henry in week one against the Browns had that 75 yard touchdown against uh, against the yard, uh, the Browns on that uh, screen pass. Long delay. Oh, we found decided there wasn't offensive PI anyhow, but we're, we're just going to have this delay anyhow. It's like, ah, stop. Unwatchable. It's a, it, it's a it's a real problem, man. I I, I don't envy the situ I don't envy the situation they're in. Every time, it, it, you know this saying quite well. You went to law school. Hard cases make bad law, and or in this case, dumb cases make bad law too. You know, where you have to make a law for everything. Right. And, they they should have just been like, our guys missed this. They're gonna miss it once every ten years. That bad. Hopefully, it's less than that, and that's it. You know, or the catch rule. You know, it's like. Dude, sometimes we call it wrong, but we're not going to review and have eight components. We're not going to do that. You know, we're not going to, you know, I, I think the reviewing the turnovers and reviewing the touchdowns is sufficient, period. Yeah. And then have the challenges. That's it. That's enough. That's fine. And call the holding the way they did last year. Yeah. Even less if possible. Right. Let's, uh, let's look and see if we can find a PI somewhere here, though. That'll be fun. I mean, who, I mean, what was it? What were they even thinking? Yes. What you know? What this game needs more holding. Definitely. That'll that'll jazz the up the hold, ratings. The holding is really beyond belief. I, that, it, that was really just a self-inflicted wound. Unbelievable. So that, that that was one of my big takeaways. You know, so much for. Uh, by the way, so much for uh, Marlon Mack being questionable. He got the first four plays. He got touches. He had three runs and a reception on the first four plays of that game. He looked great. You know, it's like all that. Wor- you know, that worry. Oh, he, we're going to check him out at game time and all that. T.Y. Hilton, he did have a quad injury going into the week, and then he left after the touchdown. But at least he had the decency to get two touchdowns before leaving for the rest of the game. But the Colts' offense was way different without him in the second half. Yeah, I mean, Hilton's their major star. You know, Funchess was an unfortunate loss, but no big deal. I mean, Hilton is the he's probably like a top seven or eight receiver in the NFL skill-wise, so they, they cannot afford to lose him. Yeah, exactly right. Um couple other things that uh, caught my eye. The scoring was up this week. You know, for the, we were starting to see some of the, you know, it's always like the first couple of weeks are kind of sloppy, and then some, some teams kind of kicking into gear a little bit more. Uh, you saw some big games. You saw Mike Evans finally have a big game. You saw Keenan Allen have a big game. Tyler Lockett had a big game, and a lot of that was garbage time piling on the yards, but it still counts. Uh, in the case of Keenan Allen, I mean, they go to him all the time. Uh, it's just that that's River River security blanket. He looked great out there. He, they were going to him the whole game. Uh, you, you, you're starting to see some of these offense start to click after being rusty the first couple of weeks. Yeah, Keenan Allen, I mean, that is the narrowest tree in football. It's Keenan Allen who gets like 50%. Then Mike Williams gets like 20% or 15%. Then Austin Eckler gets the other 15% and gets most of the carries. That is it. Yeah. I mean, Justin Jackson, Travis Benjamin, 
and a couple other guys are involved, but it's basically, I mean, now that Hunter Henry's out, it's basically just Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler is like 80% of the offense. And then Mike Williams gets the rest. Yeah. Justin Jackson, two weeks in a row now has had touchdowns called back. Uh, it just on cheesy holding calls, just really frustrating for him. I could tell you could see him just react after getting a call back. Uh, yeah. It's funny is when I, when I see a holding call, wipe something out for a team I'm rooting for that I bet on or whatever, or giants or whatever. I'm so relieved when I see the replay and they have, and the lineman has like the arm around the guy's throat Yeah, as he's like going by him. I'm like, Oh, thank God a real hold. <laughs> I'm always just like, it's just like a relief. It's like, ah, oh, something really happened. Okay. I don't have to be mad about this. Yeah. Uh, the game I got most wrong was Carolina, Arizona, and only because I doubted Kyle Allen. I didn't think he, he had a really horrible preseason, and I should have just said, okay, the matchup is going to dictate here more than anything, and with the full week of practice, he'd be better with the first team as opposed to playing with the second team in the preseason. I should know better. Don't pay attention to the preseason. Uh, he, he looked pretty good. They just – Arizona is really bad defensively too, though. That's the other takeaway. You know, I really liked Arizona getting points at home initially with Cam as the QB because yep. I saw the Tampa Bay game and Cam was like a, a disaster. And then all of a sudden it's all switched, right? And we get to keep the line, but it didn't really matter. But once they had a regular quarterback, then you realize what a better team Carolina actually is. It was just that you can't, if your quarterback is a huge negative, it's hard for the team. It's hard to even see what the team is. It's like right. the Giants offense. We just couldn't see what their offense even was. Shermer's system even was with Eli there. A hobbled Cam was like Eli, just a terrible QB, and hopefully Cam comes back healthy, and he's a good QB when he's really healthy. But, you know, it's you, you, we can't even know what the team's like. So, I mean, you evaluated it wrong, but it's like, how are you supposed to know who the Panthers were even? Right, right. Uh, I think that, that that's absolutely right. Uh, Arizona, doesn't, I mean, it's going to take a while for the offense to fire in all cylinders. Kyler Murray struggled, though. Uh, he threw for like, Oh, he 30 for 43. That's pretty good. And then you see 173 yards and two interceptions. Like, ew, he did run. So his fantasy day was okay. 69 rushing yards plus the two touchdowns. So he, you know, you're, he paid the fantasy bills, but it's going to take a while for this offense to really kick in. And I, I really think the, you know, one thing they were saying about uh, the air raid uh, in college, you need good offense alignment to make it work. Arizona does not have that. Yeah, I mean, and their receiver, I mean, Fitzgerald actually looked pretty good. He moved pretty well. He He's still pretty in shape and, like, moves well for a, a yeah. guy. But, like, Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, and then they don't even use Andy Isabella, who they took in the second round, who runs a 4-3-1. They lost Hakeem Butler, who's another athletic freak. They're using, like, Demir Bird, and, like, they just cut Crabtree. So I'm not sure who else they're using. But it's, like, they're not really like, it'd be amazing if they had like the chiefs receivers, you know, if you had like Tyreek Hill and Miko Hardman and Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson, if those were your four receivers, that would be something. Right. But these guys, right. it's just not a very fast receiving core. I mean, Isabella is the guy who ran the four, three, one, but you can't even see the field. Right. I noticed that. And I kind of, I, I have Isabella in a lot of places. Well, I've cut him in a couple of places already too. You know, zero targets through three weeks. It's kind of, kind of hard to uh, keep him on your roster unless you're in, you know, unless you're like in the NFFC. And even then, you need a cut when you you got to have somebody to cut unless you have a guy that's out for the year. I mean, cutting a rookie who hasn't had a target in three weeks who is still third at best, even if he starts getting targets, is is I think a pretty call. fair. That you know, yeah. I mean, you can't wait around for everybody. For you can't have the whole waiver wire on your bench. I mean, you got to make choices. Right. Uh, Darrell Henderson or Andy Isabella, who gets, who makes an impact first? I don't know who does first. Maybe Isabella goes first, but Darrell Henderson has way more ceiling. Yeah, sure. Of course. Darrell Henderson could be a top 10 back for any stretch of the season. You know, there's the year David Johnson crushed it down the stretch, Arian Foster, Jamal Charles, all those guys, their first years where they became relevant. David Johnson was Darrell Henderson. He was like a third round pick, maybe fourth or third doing nothing. He made some like special teams plays or like he had, he actually had a little bit more action than Henderson had, but he was buried all year that year. And then like in the last few games, they, someone got hurt and they had to start him right. and he went nuts. And I, I could easily see the same with Darrell Henderson. I mean, the NFBC, I would never cut him. It's tough in those shallower bench leagues because you can't take a zero. And just me saying it's like David Johnson doesn't mean it's going to be David Johnson. You know, it's right. Um, 
that it could just be like, oh, it's like David Johnson in that respect, but it's not in the fact that he never ever did anything. Malcolm Brown was good. banged up this week and he still couldn't see the field. I mean, it's so frustrating. So yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't understand, you know, sometimes it's, oh, he just can't pass block, you know, or, oh, he's just not doing a good job picking up the offense. He doesn't really understand it really. It could be any of those things. Or it, sometimes it's just like the coach is like, he's a rookie. We have veterans here. This is what we're doing. This is not even more complicated than that. And there is like, you know, people forget. I always like to think about this in this way is like Eli hung around for seven years past his usefulness because the NFL is not a meritocracy. It's a workplace like any other. Right. And seniority, tenure, all those things that like operate in the workplace where you're like, this guy's an idiot. Why is he still, why is he still in a senior position? Um, it's like, yeah, because he's been here and he's got friends here and he knows the people, you know, in a regular workplace, which is a competitive, you know, you're, we're in a capitalist society. You want to make money. And why is this inept guy here? Well, he's here because personal relationships and no one wants to rock the boat. And some of the same incentives I think are still in place. I mean, I think that Shermer probably was like, I'm going to get fired and never get a job again if we don't get rid of Eli soon. But you know, it's like, this is the guy, this is our guy and he's respected and he knows everybody. And you know, it's hard to displace that. And and I don't want to say like, you know, Malcolm Brown is, is Eli or something, but you know, he's been on the team a few years. He probably knows everybody a lot better than Henderson does. He knows the coach is better. You know, he's kind of the next man in line. I, I think sometimes it's cause the rookie sucks. And I think sometimes it's like the rookie just has to like vastly outplay the other guy to get the opportunity. Yeah. And in this case, I mean, you want to talk about a narrow tree. I mean, they don't even throw to their backs ever now. Or Ta- Robert Woods. It's just Robert Cooks Woods has 13 catches for 143 yards. Cooks is only has 13 catches, but 225 yards and a touchdown. Cup is pretty much the man. 23 for 268 in the two. Uh, you know, Gurley, four catches, eight yards. Brown, one catch, 10 yards. Henderson, Zippo. Uh, the yeah, tight ends have a combined 12 catches. They're 3-0, and and they beat the Saints. They got lucky that Breeze got hurt, but and they got lucky that that touchdown wasn't called. But they beat the Saints, and they won two road games in Cleveland and in Carolina, which were not cakewalk road games. It wasn't like they were in Miami or something like that. Right. So they're 3-0 and and beat, you know, ostensibly the, the biggest competition that they have in the NFC. Uh, it's crazy. Like, they could not have gotten off to a better start, and they're not really doing anything. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, but yet, you know, there it's the defense is carrying the day for the most part there, which is remarkable. But even Carolina, they gave up twenty seven points. It wasn't great. I think some of this is they're facing teams that are kind of self immolating in front of them at times. Well, um, they got right. They got bad Cam. They got bad Baker. So and hurt Breeze and injured Breeze. Right. Yeah. But I have to say, I watched. You know, obviously, I watched the standalone game this morning. The Browns. And the Rams are a good team. Their offensive line is good. Yeah. Their defensive line is good. There's they, 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 even though they were knocking on the door and the Browns idiotically didn't run it from inside the five with three timeouts left at the end of the game, they, the Browns were lucky to be in that position. They got a couple of turnovers and they were still just barely trying to catch up. The, the Rams outplayed them. They're the better team. They're more stout on both sides of the ball. And, you know, they're good. I, I think golf is kind of mediocre though. I, I think the problem is if they play the chiefs or they play the Patriots and Super Bowl or just even, you know, regular season games against uh, teams like that, you know, it's, it sucks to have sort of a, just sort of an average quarterback. It does. It does. Uh, before we continue a quick note from our sponsor, fantasy draft. Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business, brings the heat again with a $750,000 guaranteed rake-free contest. The Hooter main event with its $100,000 first place payout. This is the largest and only rake-free contest running anywhere for NFL Week 3. That's right. Fantasy Draft is the only daily fantasy site where you can play contests with no management fees taken out of the prize pools 100% of the time, not just for limited-time promotional contests. Listen, as other fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed, making it harder for players like you to win. Whether you call it rake, commission, or management fee, the days of paying 10, 12, or even 16% of your entry fees to fantasy companies are over. No longer will you lose 30% of your bankroll to the house. 
Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code ROTOWIRE and you'll get a free 7-day trial on your first $1,000 of rake-free entry fees. That's FantasyDraft.com, promo code ROTOWIRE. Don't miss your shot at millions of dollars in rake-free contests this season. Start playing on Fantasy Draft today. Your bankroll is going to love it. You're listening to the uh, Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Chris Liss. We're breaking down week three, uh, kind of just reacting to a number of things that have been going on cor- over the course of this, uh, the league. Uh, Survivor uh, was almost kind of sort of going to get interesting. The Dolphins really should have had a lead at halftime against the Cowboys. It was 10-6 Cowboys, but... I think they had an end zone interception, a Kenyon Drake fumble in, in scoring. Uh, and a missed field goal. And a missed field goal. But then the second half, everything kind of reverted back to normal. Uh, they still haven't scored in the second half all season. I think that's one of my f- favorite stats of the year. Yeah, there was a point I was like thinking, yep, you see, that's why you take the Patriots. And, you know, and it's not that the Cowboys had a likelihood of losing, but if they did, you just, you know, 70% of your pool or 60% of your pool was out. Yeah. So it was definitely the right call to take the Pats. That one was never in doubt. But I, I, ironically, the Pats didn't cover and the Cowboys did. And I was pissed. That last Tony Pollard touchdown, Yep. that just sucked. I mean, it was like it was garbage and didn't even help me because I have Zeke in, in one league. Pollard gets the touchdown and kills the cover. And they easily could have just got a bunch of first downs or even kicked the field goal and not covered. Yeah, I actually took the Cowboys in that one, but... Uh, so I was kind of happy with another backdoor cover. The early slate was full of those games. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Josh Rosen actually looked OK. I'd like to see him on a real team uh, just just to get a chance. I mean, he's had Arizona with their terrible offensive line and now Miami with complete tank mode team. I'd like to see him on a real team at some point. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see him get a shot, too. I've seen, I saw him play well for stretches there's a comeback yet against the Niners with the Cardinals last year. He looked pretty good, but it's really had to evaluate in a disaster offense. And it's two in a row. I mean, the Cardinals offense was one of the worst, probably the worst in the NFL last year. And he's probably on the worst offense in the NFL again this year. Oh, I don't think there's any probable about it. I think they clearly are the worst offense in the NFL. Just look from, from a personnel standpoint. I mean, what they've done to themselves. Uh, by the way, Minka Fitzpatrick, who they, uh, they traded to the Steelers. He looked pretty good yesterday against the Niners. He was creating some havoc all over the place there. We, we actually, you know, some people are like, Oh, I can't believe they gave up a first round pick for that, but that might be a pretty good pick. I mean, I mean, he, he might was, be a pretty good player. Well, it also might be a pretty good pick. Yeah, too. too. But he yeah. was, that was a slip. He was a first round pick. So, I yeah. mean, if you're a first round pick, who's, what would you rather have a, a first round pick, the success of which you don't know, or a first round pick a year later, who you know is good. Exactly. I mean, yeah, really, you want the latter. I mean, I guess you lose a year, but yeah, but he's 22. You're getting someone you know. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I agree. Think of who the Bengals took with their first round pick. You know, I mean, it doesn't always work out. Right, right. I agree. Um, I, I guess the only way, you know, you kind of look at it from the Dolphins perspective is you, you need to kind of kind of stockpile it for a time when they all hit at once. You know, it's kind of that timing issue. You want to all peak at the right time. I guess that's the way. To and look at it. we talked about this on the show last week, but basically like the players have more agency than they used to, you know, they're getting screwed on the CBA and the guarantee money, but they can say, I'm unhappy here. I don't like being here. And who wants a team, you know, who wants to have a guy on a team that doesn't want to be there. So if you can still get a first rounder for him and he knows that he's worth a first runner cause he's good then make it happen, get, get rid of him, get the future pick. Who's going to be happy to be there. Right. I mean, you, you really, the players are starting to speak up because they have agency over this, right? At least they're going to play in a situation they want to play, but it's getting like the NBA. We're going to have these super teams and you're going to have these, you know, tanking teams. And that's, it's just going in that direction because the players are starting to get more agency. It's good for the players. Uh, I, I personally would just rather see them get paid more, and have it be more like, no, you have to, you know, you have to play out your contract and the contract's guaranteed and you get paid more and you, you know, you're, or it's just guaranteed money. So there's no cutting, you can cut the player, but you still got to pay him just like in baseball. Uh, and then, because I do think the rules in terms of, uh, which team you play for and for how long is important to the integrity of the team, but you can't have it both ways. If you're the owners, you can't, you can't, you know, be able to cut them, but then they can't, right. you know, complain their way out of town. I, I you know, they, they brought this on themselves. This is just an adaptation to the, to the unfairness of it. 
Yeah. Well, and the thing is, yeah, you're right. And the, the fact is the players union has been weaker here than in any other sport for a long time. I mean, the lack of guaranteed contracts when it's the most physical of the sports and you lose, you know, shortest career spans. I mean, that's the game is rigged against them. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and that, but you know, and so I, I can't even say like, well, you should negotiate a better deal. Like they tried, they couldn't. Uh, but, and they, they also have kind of well, not, I mean, th- the problem is that the money, you have to get your money up front, you yep. know, and when you're, bef- and, and the problem with that is that the rookie contracts are, they're already like prescribed that you can't get more than the slot. So it's impossible to get the money up front when you're at your most valuable. The only players that really have the leverage are the absolutely elite, like cornerbacks, defensive ends, couple, you know, pass rushers, left tackles, the elite, 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 and then quarterbacks. That's it. Yep. You know, running backs, their best years are behind them by the time their next contract. Even so, wide receivers get paid. It's basically running backs that get screwed more than well, anybody. running backs I, it's and the rank and file to, players. Uh, maybe a linebacker can do it, but like there are sort of all the, all the in the trenches guys are less valued than the, on the perimeter guys. Yeah. I mean, that's why you see like teams try to go cheap with linemen with, with their quarterback. It usually comes back to haunt them though. I mean, Seattle, well, you know, could have probably had another Super Bowl win had they protected Wilson just a little bit better. Colts really screwed themselves with luck. And, and the ironic thing is now that they have this great offensive line, it's too late, but still. Yeah. They, right. The beating that he took those years with, and, and just Pagano being such an idiot. I mean, they sat, they, they just, you know, the, the problem is the owners don't know football. They don't understand the coaches that they're hiring. And if you have someone like doing the dumb stuff that Pagano did, you cannot entrust, you know, uh, a, a commodity like luck. Who's like a one in a million, you know, superstar quarter. You cannot entrust him to someone like Pagano. You just can't do that. Mm-hmm. You, you, it's, you know, we used to, I used to talk about it when like these managers would put Mark Pryor out for 140 pitches when he's 22. And you'd be like, you know, I used to compare it to like, if you if you if you have like a piece of priceless art, some Rembrandt in your house, and you're moving, you don't just get like the random movers to just put it in a crate and bubble wrap it. I mean, you gotta have like a professional art mover to do that. You just, you know, and and you can't have some hack coach, you know, not protecting the uh, your franchise quarterback that's you know generational talent. You just can't do it. And they did, and now he's gone. I mean, it's really. It's it's a tragic situation, but I mean that's why he got beat up. They didn't realize what they had. Obviously, there's fluke injuries that can happen to anybody, but with luck, it was just like a serial beating. Well, they knew what they had. So that's they the worst part. Anymore. No, they traded away Peyton. I mean, they let the, you know they they traded away Peyton Manning, you know, tanked for luck, and knew what they had. They the first overall pick, and yet they still did nothing about. it. They knew what they had. That's the well, worst part. They had an idiotic coach, and they yeah. didn't give them. They didn't give them the line, but they also had just a coach that just couldn't right. see they, what was going on. They I didn't mean, know what they had in that respect. Yeah, you're right. I, th- I thought you were saying they, like they didn't, they didn't know, know what they, they had in luck. Take care of it. Yeah. They, they knew they had the Rembrandt, but they just let the the right. regular movers that you get pay a thousand bucks for put the put them in the truck. You know, yeah. you, you can't do that. Right. And they finally, yeah, they fixed it last year, but it was too much. He had already taken too much of a beating, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's. They just got to, you know, there's the, the problem starts at ownership. Like they just don't really understand like what they're doing. Right. That's right. Uh, before we move on, one last note from our friends at side boss. Hey, football fans, week four of the NFL season is here, and lucky for you, Sideboss has got you covered. If you missed entering the Sideboss Pro Pick'em Contest, it's not too late to join week four and still be eligible to win weekly and quarterly prizes throughout the season. In addition to our Pro Pick'em Contest, where players choose five games against the spread each week, Sideboss is currently offering prop contests for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Play any Sideboss weekly or daily free-to-play games, get all the picks correct, and boom! Win cash and an entry into the Side Boss $150,000 private NFL against the spread contest. Go to contest-sideboss.com. Use promo code RotoWire. Once again, that's contest.sideboss.com. Uh, kind of look, kind of get into this rhythm now, Chris. We're almost, you know, with the, just the Monday night game left. One game, you know, we're done with three weeks into the season. It's no longer new. It's no longer, okay, let's see what we got. You know, we've got what we've got. 
you know, it, it's, it's, we're going to get into this weekly routine. You're kind of starting to evaluate. Like I, I kind of talked question earlier. Do you know who really is your good team right now? Yeah, you're probably right. You probably do know a little bit. You also need to know, like stay tenacious. What can you do to improve the, the lacking teams? Still a lot of time left, but baseball is ending. It's the last week of baseball. We just had our last Sunday fab run in baseball. It's now like, the focus is all there now. There, it, it, we're in this regular routine. It's no longer, oh yay, can't. I'm so happy the season started. No, it's just got to grind now. Yeah, I mean it is. It is a grind. I mean, I, I watch all those games at seven hours straight. I, you know, I used to watch ten when there was a London game. Sometimes I watched thirteen yeah. hours, fourteen hours straight. Uh, you know, my backside is not sometimes the sofa. I got to get up, walk around a little bit. You know, I'm feeling like yeah, it's too much sitting around. Um, yeah, you got to, you know, it, it's, it's simple. I mean, the NFL is easier than baseball because the week kind of each day, there's a thing, you know, for, for us, especially because it's our job, you know, we know which columns we write which day. And, you know, I start to look at the next week, Monday night, and then Tuesday I start to, you know, make my lines. We do guess the lines on XM, you know, it's just very routine and you're picking up the players. I mean, you know, no one knows, you know, I think my good team's good. Usually it stays that way. My team that I thought was really good is, is not doing well, but make some moves at a certain point, you know, it's toast, but it's not there yet. Um, I don't know. I, I think like one of the things that I've screwed up in baseball before is I've let some sort of crap teams. I've probably done it in football too. Not, you know, I always make the moves, but I just kind of go through the motions, do it in two seconds. Cause it's a lot of work in baseball. And then that team catches fire later on. Yep. And I've like probably left a lot on the table and then it ends up in like fourth place when maybe it could have won the league if I had really buckled down and you don't want to do that, you know, cause we just don't know. It, it's so easy to look at it and say, oh, okay, well I'm in seventh or eighth place. I'm in ninth place. Now I'm ninth in points. The odds that I win this league, you know, it was one in 12 before the year. Now it's probably like one in 40, one in 60. Is it really, you know, I mean, I can't be like really killing myself for a one in 60 long shot it's really stupid to think like that. It's just bad thinking in life. Don't think about the odds. Just do the job every week, do the job right. Every week, make the waiver wire, do your best in the line of setting. You're going to leave points. I leave so much on my bench, but whatever, do it again next week. Try to get lucky with the lineups, try to do a better job and then see where the chips fall. You know, the idea, once you like start getting like, Oh, well I'm own two. my odds of making, it's just like, that is the, the worst thought process. I was playing sorry. You know, the game with Sasha, my daughter. Yes. I know the she game. was losing and she was getting on. Sorry. is like the craziest reversals of fortune, like in three seconds, but she's like, ah, oh, you're going to win. I'm like, Sasha, don't ever think like that. Like, yeah, just try to win until you've lost. And if you lost, it's over, but just don't start. It's so easy to like start to understand because, you know, once you understand the odds, it's, you're like, ah, oh, what's the point? But oh, and by the way, here's way another sorry card I'm slapping on you too. I'm sure you did that too. Tough love, right? Oh, I she she some she well she's pretty vicious, and now she feels bad for me when she sorries me. But like Sasha, no, I like the vicious version. Like this is a this is a hardcore game, you know. Like yeah, you know we're we're all in. You can't yeah. So I definitely slapped a sorry card on her, and I mock her, and I you know she sometimes gets mad, but it, you know it's tough love. Yeah, exactly. All right, just as long as you're not going soft on her at the end. There, just want to make no, sure. Help. Hell no. All right. Very good. Uh, looking forward to the week four. Uh, we got two buys, San Francisco and the Jets. Jets get the, like the luckiest buy ever, basically. I mean, losing your quarterback like that for a week due to mono, this is a perfect time to get the bye week for them. Uh, Niners, they could probably stand to play. They're playing 3-0. and uh, You know, they their defense is pretty damn good. I mean, the, the offense was just ugly yesterday. Oh, well, the thing is, they were moving the ball. They just had so many bad mistakes. I don't know who the Niners are. I have no idea what's going on with that team. It doesn't make any sense to me. They're so random. Fantasy-wise, it's impossible. But even non-fantasy-wise, like what? What is even? What are they even doing? Yeah, uh, they're they're running the ball a lot. That they're not not Minnesota. Minnesota is by far like the most run-heavy team. But I think the Niners might be second. Uh, Pettis finally got involved yesterday. You know, Garoppolo kind of got unlucky. Like. Passes went off receiver's hands. That snap on the went off the receiver's butt in motion, you know, or hip or Richie James. Uh, Grappolo fumbled that one snap, though, which is terrible. But, uh, you know, a lot of this was on other people. And they just made these ill-timed mistakes earlier on. They should have been blowing out the Steelers, I think. Yeah, I was pissed. I had the Niners laying the points, and it's frustrating. You know, they just 
is kept fumbling and turning it over. Is that team good? Is Garoppolo good? Are the receivers good? I mean, I know Kittle's good. They don't use him that much. Is the defense good? I just don't know. They won in Tampa. I mean, Tampa's so erratic and Jameis threw like the worst picks. I mean, he was just oh. killing them. And then the next week they, who do they beat in week two? Uh, you know who they beat. Bengals. Oh, the Bengals. They just killed them. Yes. But the Bengals are such a, like, they showed up in the second half, but the Bengals are like terrible offensive line and, you know, they can't run the ball at all. Their defense can't tackle. So that, you know, I mean, I guess blowing out a team on the road is always a strong move, but, and then this week the Steelers just look pretty bad. Maybe the Niners are really good. I mean, I, I like Kyle Shanahan as a coach Yeah, and I, you know, they're probably pretty good. I mean, I guess they won three games, but Bengals Steelers just, Monday night should be awesome team. though, by the way. Ugh. Terrible, like terrible matchup. I mean, it's a it's a hatred game, and you know it's a rivalry game and all that. But two zero and three teams sputtering down there. Um, it, it's going to be ugly next Monday night. I have to. The, so that means though, it I have to watch my team on a standalone game, which means I have to pay full attention to the broadcasters, which stinks. The flip side though is like on Sunday, I can just I can grit it, red zone it, however I want to do it. Um, I can choose whichever game I want to be my primary game if I go that model. Right. Um, that, that's nice that although I'm looking at this early slate I'm trying to find one, probably Casey Detroit will be the one I watch the most. I love watching Casey. I just love, yeah. it's like the team I just most like to watch. And uh, and I like Same. watching the Patriots sometimes too, but Casey's by far my favorite watch. Yeah. Baltimore Casey was fun. I enjoyed that game, even though it wasn't, they weren't playing their best and Lamar Jackson definitely wasn't playing his best. I got rattled a little bit there. Some of that though is you know, road game against a team that worked on improving their pass rush. First, te- first team that provided any sort of resistance to them at all. They played the Dolphins and the Cardinals before that. So that'll, you know, it was, in, you know, then he had to face a tough team on the road. So it's a little bit, a little bit different there. I, I'm willing to kind of give him a little bit uh, of the, Ra- a, the Ravens will be in the playoffs and it'll be a team that you don't want to face. Like, you know, yeah. everyone's already penciling in the chiefs and passes the one and two seeds and a lot will change, but I'm not really going to argue with that, but I think like if, if, if it stays like this, the Ravens are the team you don't want to face. Yeah. And maybe the Texans evolve into that. Maybe the Colts evolve into that. I, I'm trying to think of who else it could possibly be, but to me, the Ravens would be sort of the, the most capable of upsetting one of those two elite teams. Yeah, that's right. That is right. Uh, the ESPN page is funny looking at the schedule. Cause they also list like a link to tickets, tickets as low as this for bears. It's like tickets as low as one fifty seven. new Orleans tickets as low as one seventy four. You get to Miami tra- uh, chargers at Miami tickets as low as $10, you know, nice. The nice. Rams, a home game against Tampa. They're the Rams. They went to the Super Bowl last year. Tickets as low as $13. Just Ella. It's, it's a big stadium. It's an ugly stadium. I'm sure they're just terrible seats, but you know, the Rams just don't draw. They just, they don't. Um, and then well, I think LA a lot of that's a stadium. terrible sports town, Jeff. We've been it over is. this. It's, it's a terrible sports town. They lo- except for the Dodgers. Dodgers have 3 million fans every year. Yeah. Dodgers and Lakers. It's a Dodgers and Lakers town. There's no doubt about that. But yeah. at, at any rate, um, yeah, Rams could start off four and zero without having looking impressive in any of them. That could be the funny thing about that. Um, but yeah, cheap Chiefs. Chiefs Lions. I mean, two undefeated teams right now. Lions have a stupid tie, but they went on the road. They beat Philly. Uh, Philly kind of beat themselves, I think, a little bit. Philly has to play Green Bay on Thursday night. That's actually a good standalone game. I'd like to see Philly at their at their strongest, but uh, that's a game I'm interested in. Yeah, Philly Green Bay is is pretty good. Uh, Green Bay. We talked about it with Greg today, but yeah. Come on, Aaron Rodgers. You're not Teddy Bridgewater. Unleash. I don't like Matt LaFleur. I know they're 3-0, and but you can't go toe-to-toe. They're going to play the Chiefs this year. That's that's the uh, – aren't they? Isn't that the – wait, the Chiefs play the, the AFC? Yeah, yeah they yeah, play the Broncos. North, yep. They're going to play the Chiefs. Yeah. You better not be trying to play handoff and defense against the Chiefs. Yeah. Aaron Jones was limited in practice today. Now, keep in mind, it's they didn't really practice. Uh, but they do play the Thursday game. They listed it as a shoulder, though, as you know, a practice estimate, estimation. He didn't get that many snaps. And some of this is maintenance. We talked about that with Greg, too, that he's not a big dude. Um, and that's why he wasn't a first-round pick in the first place. He had an injury history. Um, there, And, you know, they, they kind of out, came out and said, well, we want to maintain him. That's why we want to split the workload between he and Jamal Williams. And they did that. Jamal Williams 
got, you know, even in the first Jamal, half. Jamal Williams is hurt too, though. Yeah, they, he is. Well, that's what you get for playing him so much. But uh, no, I'm just being. You can't uh, play nobody. Flipping. You know, you got to play somebody. Somebody's got to get the carries. Yeah, uh, they didn't really have a practice, but you know, Williams he had uh, he led the team in carries. Actually, he had 86 yards. Jones got the touchdowns at least. So there was that. I'm trying to look at see who the third running back is for uh, Green Bay. That might be uh, you know someone. Dexter Williams is is the third. Uh, he hasn't done anything yet, so we'll see uh, if he's a pickup in a couple of days. So we'll see what happens with that. Anything else? Uh, any other observations you want to talk about? That it's anything you're going to write about in East Coast offense before we sign off? Yeah, I, I thought of so many different things, and I now forgot. I should have written it down because now I, East Coast offense is really hard to find a topic sometimes. And I had a really good one, and I forgot it. So now you're making me worry now that I'm not going to get this back. But I guess. Um, not really. I just, uh, just feel bad for you that you're a Bengals fan. There's no hope for you. For me, at least there is a, uh, there's hope. And obviously Barkley will be back at some point. So 2020 giants are going to make another run. All right. Well, 2021, the Bengals will draft a quarterback finally. And then in 2022, he'll actually play. And, the super volcano will have erupted since then. Yeah, definitely and the super volcano, nuclear war or something. We're not going to will make it not matter. It will not matter. On that uplifting note, thank you for listening to Rotowire Fantasy Sports today, or not even that, but to the Rotowire podcast. And you know, we might be, you know, super volcano might not might hit, but before we do our next recording, but thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you to Yahoo for uh, sponsoring us, and uh, we got uh, Joe with uh, Joe Bartell and uh, Jake Latarski with you tomorrow. Thanks again for listening.